And now please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Zechariah and chapter 11. Zechariah chapter 11 and reading verses 1 through 17. Zechariah 11 and verses 1 through 17. Again, please give your careful attention as we read God's word. Zechariah 11 and commencing to read at verse 1. Open your doors, O Lebanon, that the fire may devour your cedars. Wail, O Cyprus, for the cedar has fallen, for the glorious trees are ruined. Wail, oaks of Bashan, for the thick forest has been felled. The sound of the wail of the shepherds, for their glory is ruined. The sound of the roar of the lions, for the thicket of the Jordan is ruined. Thus said the Lord my God, Become shepherd of the flock doomed to slaughter. Those who buy them, slaughter them and go unpunished. And those who sell them say, Blessed be the Lord, I have become rich. And their own shepherds have no pity on them. For I will no longer have pity on the inhabitants of this land, declares the Lord. Behold, I will cause each of them to fall into the hand of his neighbour, and each into the hand of his king. They shall crush the land, and I will deliver none from their hand. So I became the shepherd of the flock, doomed to be slaughtered by the sheep traders. And I took two staffs, one I named Favour, the other I named Union. And I tended the sheep. In one month I destroyed the three shepherds. But I became impatient with them, and they also detested me. So I said, I will not be your shepherd. What is to die, let it die. What is to be destroyed, let it be destroyed. And let those who are left devour the flesh of one another. And I took my staff favour, and I broke it, annulling the covenant that I had made with all the peoples. So it was annulled on that day, and the sheep traders who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord. Then I said to them, If it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. They weighed out as my wages thirty pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, the lordly price at which I was priced by them. 
So I took the thirty pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord, to the potter. Then I broke my second staff, union, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. Then the Lord said to me, Take once more the equipment of a foolish shepherd. For behold, I am raising up in the land a shepherd who does not care for those being destroyed, or seek the young, or heal the maimed, or nourish the healthy, but devours the flesh of the fat ones, tearing off even their hoofs. Woe to my worthless shepherd, who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered, his right eye utterly blinded. Amen. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our God abides forever and ever. Amen. The prophet Zechariah had already witnessed in his life many exciting and important events. But his calling as a prophet was not yet over. The two oracles that conclude this book probably come from much later in his life, perhaps many years after the temple was rebuilt. They depict here a less positive situation than that which had been the case earlier in his life. What do we find here? Well, here in Zechariah 11, 1 through 17, God called Zechariah to stand up against godless leaders who had taken control of Jerusalem. As we think about this passage this evening, we are going to do so under four headings. In fact, five headings. Under five headings. First of all, lamented false leaders. Secondly, the good shepherd. Thirdly, the rejected flock. Fourthly, the departed saviour. And then lastly, the grave warning. So lamented false leaders, the good shepherd, the rejected flock, the departed saviour, and the grave warning. So first of all then, the lamented false leaders, verses 1 through 5. Zechariah 11 begins with a lament in verses 1 through 3. It pictures the devastation coming down out of the north on the false shepherds of Israel, whose ability to exploit the people will be taken away. The message here is plain and simple. 
those placed in leadership over God's people will be held to account and judged. The whole chapter here, chapter 11, is about Zechariah's conflict with the godless leaders of Jerusalem. The people of the city were being misused by their leaders, by merchants, by politicians, the powerful, the influential. They exploited the people for their own selfish gain. We read of that in verses 4 through 5. We see in this section what God's standards are for for leadership. This passage teaches us God's standards for leadership. A godly leader should have the interests of those who are his responsibility. He should have their interests at heart. He should always seek the greater good of those for whom he has been given responsibility. He is not there simply to look after himself and his own interests at their expense. Whatever may be the case in the world, in the church, leaders are called to be good shepherds, not evil shepherds. Hence the Apostle Peter exhorts the elders of his day, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Verse 3 to 5 and verses 2 through 3. Verse 5, however, paints a stark picture of godless leadership. God condemns those who labor only to line their own pockets. Now, such may seem to go unpunished and even prosper. But the message here again is clear. God will, in his own time, bring false, evil shepherds to account. The Lord here condemns those placed in authority who abandon the interests of the people who depend upon them. Those who are under their power. God condemns those who use that power and that authority for their own good and at the expense of the people. We see that clearly right at the end of the chapter at verse 17. Well, that brings us in the second place to the good shepherd. The good shepherd in verses 6 and 7. God commanded Zechariah to engage in a role play, as we would say. He was to engage in this role play to make his point in a very public way before the people of Jerusalem. This was a very common act by the prophets. We see it in Hosea, Isaiah, and Ezekiel. God had said to Zechariah, Become shepherd of the flock doomed to slaughter. Verse 4. So Zechariah went before the people bearing two shepherd staffs. 
It was a role play. It was a sign, a prophetic protest. That's what these staffs were. One was marked favour, which signified God's blessing on the people. And the other was marked union, signifying the national unity and peace of the people. And so the prophet here in this role play denounced the godless leaders and succeeded in removing the three shepherds, probably ringleaders, who were opposed to Zechariah, acting here as a good shepherd of the people. We can perhaps imagine the kind of message Zechariah would have brought. It would have been one of denunciation, of greed and exploitation of these evil shepherds, with a call to repentance and for a change of leadership. Now we might think that this kind of protest would result in the prophet being swept up on a tide of public approval by the people. But sadly and tragically that was not so, as we see in verse 8. Well, how can this be? The reason is a love of sin that grips people as well as leaders. Godless people will not tend to godliness in their thinking and actions, even when often they suffer as a result of that. They will yet themselves hate God and godly things and godly people. What does that tell us this evening? That is why our witness to the world as Christians must first and foremost consist of the gospel of grace for sinners. So that people will be reconciled to God, to his truth, and to his love. How urgent it is then for Christian churches not only to stand against worldly sin, important though that is, but to proclaim the gospel of salvation rather than just standing and having some mere temporal agenda against particular sins in particular places and particular communities. However upright and righteous that may be, in the end that will not change the hearts of men, women, boys and girls. We must preach to them a gospel that transforms, that takes out that old heart and gives a new heart, takes away the heart of stone and gives a heart of flesh. Well, that brings us in the third place to the rejected flock the rejected flock, verses 8 through 11 and verses 14 through 16. What happens when a people reject God? Ultimately, after much long-suffering patience, God rejects them, as we see in verses 8 through 9. The people were probably relieved to have the prophet God. But the consequences of their rejection would prove bitter, as we see in verses 10 through 11. God's restraint on the nations would now be removed so that they would freely attack the Jews. In addition, the integrity of the people as a nation would be lost because they had despised God 
who was and is the only source of true unity for any people, as we see in verse 14. Now we can apply this situation to Christian churches today, many of which turn away from the Holy Scriptures and as a consequence over time become either dead or irrelevant or sadly wholly corrupt. Like the Jews in Zechariah's time, we will not enjoy the blessings of God without obeying and bending the knee to him as the sovereign Lord. God intended here this role play to symbolize something that had already happened spiritually. Verse 6. God sends Zechariah back to the people to represent the foolish shepherd they chose in his place. Verses 15 through 16. It always is a severe judgment when God gives sinners exactly what they want. People want a life of sin, a permissively debased lifestyle. And God judges them by giving them what they want. But that lifestyle, that sin, will bring its just wages. The wages of sin is death. And so as Christian people this evening, in the face of such advancing darkness, we must ever be eager to stand before this generation, again with the gospel of grace and truth, because this world, this community in which we are, where you may be this evening, so desperately needs a gospel, a powerful gospel that can save them from their sins. Well, that brings us in the fourth place to the departed Saviour, verses 12 through 13. The departed Saviour. This prophetic role play is completed in two ways. First, by revealing the contempt of those who rejected God's messenger, verse 12. 30 pieces of silver was the prescribed amount paid for a slave who had been killed. These were slave wages the most contemptuous salary a person could be given. As the Lord told him, Zechariah rejected their pay. Unwilling to give money to the corrupt religious leaders, he cast it instead to the potter who had his, shops in, had his shop in the precincts of the temple, verse 13. What a vivid picture this is of the world's contempt for true spiritual religion, as well as God's rejection of its arrogant offerings. Secondly here, these two verses complete the passage by linking these events to what would happen over 500 years later, when another good and true shepherd sent by God would be rejected by the people of that same very city. This shepherd is the good shepherd, God's own son, Jesus Christ, the great and final prophet of Israel. His life was also priced by the religious leaders 
at 30 pieces of silver, paid to Judas Iscariot for his betrayal. When Judas threw the coins back at the chief priests, they fulfilled what was written in Zechariah by using it to buy the potter's field instead of placing it in the temple treasury. This links Zechariah's role play here with the real life experience of Jesus Christ. If it was painful for Zechariah to be rejected, how much more so for Jesus to be rejected by the professing people of God in his day. This was the nation to whom God had shown such patient mercy for generations. Jesus knew he would be rejected by them and killed by them. He knew that a cross awaited him, that the Jews would detest him as the true good shepherd Zechariah here had foreshadowed. Jesus lamented not only his own rejection, but also the salvation these people thereby lost. Matthew 23 at verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you would not. See, your house is left to you desolate. Following that great lament of the Lord Jesus, the next chapter, Matthew chapter 24, begins by saying, Jesus left the temple. As Zechariah's role play had forecast, God's patience had come to an end. All who did not go with him were left behind to receive the judgment due to their sin. Jesus was going to the cross and he would die, but he was also going to be raised again from the dead. For those who believed in him, his disciples, they would receive eternal life. But those who rejected him, condemnation awaited all those who rejected him. Who rejected the true and good shepherd that they sinfully crucified in their unwillingness to submit to God. Which are you this evening? Do you follow the Lord Jesus or do you stay in the world, rejecting Christ and receiving as consequence God's wrath and condemnation? And so that brings us in the last place to the grave warning. This passage was a sharp warning to the Jews of Zechariah's day that rejecting the true and good shepherd would bring disaster on their heads. Zechariah's prophecy, recalled by Jesus on his way to the cross, would be fulfilled with 
terrible accuracy. What was foretold in our passage came to life in the form of terrible conquest, first and form, first of all, by the Romans in the aftermath of Jesus' rejection by the Jews. Zechariah 11 verses 1 through 2 speaks of a terrible invasion coming down from the north. A scorched earth conquest that left the land desolate. This occurred in the generation after Jesus was rejected by the Jews. The result of God's rejection of them. What Zechariah portrayed by breaking his two staffs became tragically real in AD 70 when the Romans came and conquered and destroyed Jerusalem. So this presents us this evening with a serious reality with which we have to reckon. On the one hand, the scripture presents God as eager to forgive and slow to anger, rich in mercy, reluctant to destroy. Yet when his judgment comes, how terrible, how awesome it truly is. Just as Jesus came to Jerusalem, so he comes to every man and woman, boy and girl, freely offering his great salvation, forgiveness by his death for sin. He offers freely to all. But he also warns against the consequences of rejecting him as Saviour and Lord. The warning then is this. If you reject the grace and mercy of God, refusing the Saviour he has sent, God must then reject you in return. If you choose sin and its pleasures, you cannot escape sin's judgment. Zechariah reluctantly broke the two staffs that represented God's blessing. And so too will all the godless find themselves without the benefits of God's grace. The Lord Jesus spoke of this terrible prospect in his parable of the tenants. Speaking of the people who first rejected God's prophets and then who finally rejected his son, crucifying him in their unbelief, Jesus said, God will put those wretches to a miserable death. Matthew 21 at verse 41. Whoever you are this evening, do not be found among that number. Do not enlist for that eternal judgment of which Jerusalem's horrible fall in AD 70 was but a sign. Do not suffer the same consequence when God so freely offers you forgiveness an eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. Do not think that you can safely wait, that this is something you can put off to another day. For no rejection of God's Son is a safe action. To even delay is to reject. Who knows, it may be the last opportunity that God gives you this evening to repent and believe. Like the prophet Zechariah, 
Jesus was rejected and put to death by the enemies of God. For them and for all who take their place today, the cross is the emblem of their condemnation. But thanks be to God, there are others. A multitude beyond counting, the scripture tells us, who look upon this good shepherd with gladness and joy. Those who willingly accept him, who hear his voice with delight, who go forth with him into the flock he gathers for eternal life. For these, the cross is the great emblem of salvation, because there the good shepherd laid down his life for the forgiveness of their sins. This is the message of the cross of Christ. A warning of the gravest importance to all who do not believe. But it's also the message of a God who is full of compassion. A saviour worthy of our devotion. Worthy of all of our trust. It speaks of a salvation freely offered to all who will come in faith. It calls to you again this evening. Come today whilst you may and you will be saved. May God so grant it to each one of us. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this portion of your word. We thank you for its warnings. But indeed, there are serious eternal consequences of rejecting the Saviour that you have sent and determining to dwell in sin rather than repenting. We pray, O Lord, even as this role play was portrayed before the eyes of the people, even as it before our eyes this evening, we pray that you might speak to us by your Spirit and enable us. Forbid it, O Lord, that we would continue in any way, anyone watching or listening to this, and so be rejected by you. Grant rather, whilst it is the day of salvation, that we might come to the one that you have sent, the ultimate Good Shepherd, of whom Zechariah was just a foreshadow, a pointer, a sign. Grant us to hear and to hear the words of the Good Shepherd, to be glad to hear his voice, to come to him, to run to him, even whilst we may, here as we pray for Christ's sake. Amen.